Our reading this evening is 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, as some do, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You yourselves are our letter of recommendation, written on our hearts, to be known and read by all. And you show that you are a letter from Christ, delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God, who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Now if the ministry of death, carved in letters on stone, came with such glory that the Israelites could not gaze at Moses' face because of its glory, which was being brought to an end, Will not the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? For if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation, the ministry of righteousness must far exceed it in glory. Indeed, in this case, what once had glory has come to have no glory at all, because of the glory that surpasses it. For if what was being brought to an end came with glory, much more will what is permanent have glory. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. But their minds were hardened, for to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, that same veil remains unlifted, because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. O Lord, have mercy on us. Thanks be to God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's start by reviewing this story, the story that Paul is referring to, the story of Moses, whose face was shining as it reflected the glory of God. Shining kind of like the moon shines, reflecting the light of the sun. But unlike the moon, the glory reflecting off of Moses' face was so bright, was so glorious, even that reflection of it, it was too much for the people of Israel to behold. All of this happened in the giving of the Ten Commandments. Not the first time, but the second time. The first time when God gave Moses the Ten Commandments, he was on the mountain for too long as far as the Israelites were concerned. And so they convinced Aaron to build them that golden calf. And they began to bow down and worship that golden calf, saying, Here is the God who brought us out of Egypt. We don't know what happened to Moses up on that mountain. And when Moses came down, he brought with him the two tablets. And when he saw the golden calf, he destroyed them. That was the response, an appropriate response to that idolatry. Even then, as God was making his covenant with his people, the people were abandoning him just like that. And God was ready to be done at that moment with the people of Israel. He said to Moses, I'm going to make a great nation out of you. I'm going to be done with them. But Moses pleaded for them. As the psalm says, Moses stood in the breach between them and God. He said, Lord, they're your people. They're known by your name. Save them. Be merciful to them. 
And so God was. And he called Moses up on the mountain a second time and gave him another set of tablets with the Ten Commandments. And when Moses came down from the mountain, his face was shining because he had been speaking with God. He had asked God if he could see his glory, and God said, My glory is too much for you. No one can see me and live. And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take you and I'm going to hide you in the cleft of the rock, and I will pass by. And when I pass by, I'll cover you so that you can only see my backside when I go away from you. And even that, even that sight of glory, just the fact that he was in the presence of God, talking with God, meant that Moses' face was radiant. That reflection of the glory was too much for the people of Israel. They were terrified when they saw Moses. And so he had this practice. When he would go into the tabernacle to speak to God, he would uncover his face, talking with God and finding out what the people needed to hear. And when he left the tabernacle, he would cover up his face until he was speaking to the people, when he was giving them the instructions or the word that God has given him. Then he would uncover his face again, but the rest of the time, when he was just doing his ordinary business, when he wasn't communicating to God or the people, he would keep his face covered because the glory was too much. Now, St. Paul tells us that was a glorious thing that belonged to this ministry of death, which is a strange way to talk about Moses' job, a minister of death. But Moses knew it. He knew what he was up to. He knew that he wasn't the final answer to the problem that the Israelites were facing. In fact, he says to the Israelites in Deuteronomy, he says, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from among your brothers. It is to him that you shall listen. Just as you desired on the day of the Lord your God at Horeb, on the day of the assembly when you said, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God or see this great fire anymore lest I die. Moses knew that what was changing, what was going to come later, would be a prophet like him, but better. A prophet who was no longer a go-between, an intermediary between the people and God. A prophet who would no longer have to veil his face or cover himself up, the Son of God himself. Not simply a reflection of God's glory, but God's glory incarnate. Moses knew that was coming. And he knew that what he was imparting to the people of Israel was a ministry of death. That's what the law ends up being. St. Paul tells us that if the law could have given us life, then all you'd have to do is obey it and it would all be okay. But none of us can. And so the law does not bring life. In fact, it brings condemnation, a ministry of condemnation. What do those Ten Commandments do to you? What does the word that Moses speaks do to you? It puts to death your sinful flesh. The law requires perfection, and it cannot make you perfect. It requires that you be like God, and you cannot manage it on your own. And so the law, as again, as St. Paul says, the law imprisons all of us under sin. It makes us all sinners. And that is a ministry of death. Not a very glorious ministry, it would seem, but glorious enough. So that when Moses' face was uncovered, the people couldn't bear it. St. Paul is saying to the Corinthians today that the new glory of the new covenant, a better covenant, a better ministry, it has arrived in Christ Jesus. What the law could never do, Christ has come to do for you. What the law would have killed you for, Christ bore for you on the cross. He suffered for your sins. He took them all away so that not only are you free from the condemnation of God, but now you can actually 
withstand the glory of God. You can stand in his presence. This is an amazing thing, something completely unexpected. St. Paul says, look, if that ministry of death was glorious, how much more glorious is this ministry of life, this ministry of the Spirit, even more glorious? It's not like the moon reflecting the light of the sun, but it's the sun itself. How glorious is that? And yet, Paul says, for us, this is not something that needs to be covered. I don't wear a veil over my face like Moses did, Paul says. Moses covered himself because the people were weak and Moses was accommodating their weakness. But now something new has come, a new covenant. Listen to how Jeremiah describes this new covenant. He says, there's a day coming when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like that old covenant that I made with their fathers, that ministry of death, that ministry of condemnation, my covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, declares the Lord, I will put my law within them. No longer something outside of them condemning them, something outside of them killing them, but something within them. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts. Not to put them to death, but in order to help them live. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people And no one will need to ask his neighbor anymore or teach his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. This new covenant, this revelation of the glory of God, it is far greater than that old covenant. Surpassing it in its glory, it's like when the sun rises and the moon fades away. You don't need the moon anymore because now you have the sun. You have the sun in all its brightness, and everything is day. That is what has happened with Jesus. This new covenant has come, and the glory is here, and we get to behold it face to face. Now, Paul tells this story in 2 Corinthians, and it raises a question. I've been thinking about this all week long. Why? Why review these facts? Why go back and recall what happened with Moses? Why talk about the veiled face? Why talk about the commandments and the glory? Why talk about any of that? Listen again to what he says. Since we have such a hope, that is, a hope of this new covenant, and a hope of a ministry of life, and freedom, and something permanent, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Paul says that he's doing something strange with the Corinthians. He's speaking to them frankly. Clearly, he's candid. He's not hiding anything. He's not, remember, peddling anything. He's not selling them wares. He hasn't asked anything of them. He's simply proclaiming the gospel. His heart, as he will say, is wide open to them. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We're speaking plainly. Bolder than Moses, even. Moses, who spoke very boldly to the people, but who had to cover his face, were even bolder than Moses. Paul's explaining why he is so open to the Corinthians. They think that maybe they can't trust him. Remember that episode with the promise that he made to come and see them, and then when he didn't come to see them, is his yes a no? Or is his no a yes? Is he switching sides? Is he changing his mind, Paul asked? No. Instead, I'm doing what is best for you, because I have a ministry to carry out for you. My heart is wide open. I'm not hiding anything. For, as the writer to the Hebrews says, you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest, 
and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages would be spoken to them. You'd not come, dear Corinthians, to Mount Sinai, where things need to be hidden and veiled, where things need to be shadowed in darkness and in clouds and in smoke. Instead, you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Dear Corinthians, Paul says, you don't have to take my word for it. Listen to what the gospel gives you, freedom in Jesus. Freedom that when you see it in me, Paul says, looks strange to you. You're you're surprised that I'm so bold, that I speak so plainly, that I could be so frank and that my heart could be so wide open. But why would you expect anything different? After all, we have a ministry that sets us free. Free from sin, free from death, free from shame, free from suspicion, free from bitterness, free from all of the rest because we have received the mercy of God. Do not act, Paul says, do not act like you need somebody with a veiled face. Instead, rejoice. Rejoice that God has come to you in this way, that God has come to you with the gospel, which is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes it. That is the message. That's the center of Paul's preaching. That Christ crucified for the forgiveness of all of our sins, that changes everything. And Paul will spend everything he's got to make sure that the Corinthians know it. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.